It's a short verse, but a really important one. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Again, that's page 995. And as we read, remember, we're reading God's Word. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. That's God's Word. You may be seated. Some of you are still trying to get there. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> We'll, we'll catch you up here in just a minute. You'll be okay. Um, here's a question as we begin today. What are, what are some moments in your life that you'll always remember? What are some key events, key moments that you go, I, that is permanently etched into my memory. I'll never forget that. I will always remember that moment. The first one that I can think of in my life was when I was, I think, two or three. I don't even know how old I was, but I remember the moment um, when I got up on the edge of the bathtub and stood up on the edge, and I was a big fan of Aquaman. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to dive into the bathtub and swim like Aquaman. So I stood up on the edge, and boom, and I've got a scar on my chin to, to prove and remember that moment. I'll, I'll never forget that. I'll always remember it's my earliest memory, and it is permanently kind of seared into my brain, right? So that's a negative one. There's positive ones, though. Like, think about when I was in high school, my senior year, our baseball team was playing the state championship, and I hit a home run in that game. And I'll never forget that. I'll always remember that moment. I remember when I was in college, and I was a fairly new Christian, and, and Molly and, and myself and a friend of mine said, you know what, we, we're Christians, but we've never been baptized. Let's get baptized. And, and I remember when a bunch of people from our small church rallied together on a Saturday morning and and we got baptized. I'll always remember that. I'll always remember when I was standing at the front of Berean Church, and down the aisle came my sweet wife, radiant in white. I'll always remember that. I'll always remember the first moments when I saw my kids when they were born. And those are just moments you, you always remember. Well, today, we're going to talk about a person that you need to always remember. Right? Some of these moments that you remember, you, you, they just happen, and you just are never going to forget it. Other ones in life, you kind of go, here's a lesson I learned, or here's a moment I experienced. I want to never forget this moment. Right? Sometimes maybe when you have all the family together and they're actually getting along and you go, i got to remember this. Right? Or, or those times when your kids are young and they're doing something goofy or silly and you just go, I want to always remember this. Well, today we're going to talk about a person you've got to always remember. We're introduced to this idea in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. And just so you kind of understand what's going on, 2 Timothy is a letter, and it's written by a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul wasn't always a champion of Christianity. He actually started out as a fierce opponent of Christianity and was persecuting Christians, even to the point of approving of and, and, and putting many of them to death. And he had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ that changed his whole life and made him one of the key... Um, catalysts of the early church growing and developing. And so he writes letters to all these different churches and leaders and people in his life. Well, 2 Timothy is a letter written to his protege, written to this young man that he had mentored and discipled and poured into Timothy. Timothy was probably the pastor of the church in Ephesus that Paul had helped start. And a lot of scholars believe that 2 Timothy was the last letter of Paul's life. 
So here you go, a guy who's lived a, a long life, a long life of both rejecting Christianity and propagating it. And he's trained a young man and he's trying to pass this on. And, and he's got some important things. I mean, just think about it. It's his last letter. He's suffering. He knows. I mean, he, he kind of alludes to in this letter, time is short. And, and, and here's the advice that he gives. Not just the advice, even the command, the exhortation to his young protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Here it is. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Now, that seems like an odd thing to have to tell a pastor, right? I mean, that's what Timothy is. Timothy's been trained to be a pastor by Paul, and and Paul's command to him, his encouragement is, remember Jesus Christ. This word remember is a present tense word, which means you're to keep remembering it. Timothy, keep remembering Jesus. And it's interesting because, you know, uh, psychologists and, and people who study behavior have studied the difference. You know, there's a difference between you, when you tell yourself or you tell someone else to remember something versus when you tell them don't forget. Right? If you say don't forget, it's like you're programming yourself kind of to forget it. And, and, and Paul says, Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. And you go, why would, why would a pastor have to be reminded of that. I mean, shouldn't that be so obvious? Isn't that what the whole church exists for? Isn't that the whole way that that a person would have a relationship with God? Why would he need to be reminded of that? And why would we need to be reminded of that? I mean, here we are on Easter, and what's Easter all about? Easter is about the resurrection of who? Jesus, right? And it's like, well, duh, remember Jesus. That's the whole reason we're here. But, But think about it. Right, I mean, this is a busy day. Right, some of us got a little more dressed up, and you know, these kids are in, these little girls are in these spectacular dresses, right? And some of you, you're you're thinking about how how am I going to get the ham in the oven and get the, you know, get the food that you kind of have planned for today, or uh, you know, however that works. Some of you have family in town, and there's the pressure and joy and tension and all the stuff that comes with that. And and here's the deal: we've we've found a way. In culture at large, right? I mean, think about Easter baskets and think about chocolates and think about those, dis- what are those disgusting marshmallow things? <laughs> Who eats those? I mean, the- oh, they got to just use them as hockey pucks, I think. But <laughs> there's all this stuff, right, with Easter. We found a way to crowd Easter. And this is a moment to say, hey, 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 listen, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. That's who this day is about. That's why we're here, is to remember Jesus Christ. Well, the next thing he says is interesting. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Risen from the dead. Now, that's an interesting thing to think of, to to recall, to to come to mind, right? Because if I asked you, I said, hey, tell me a little bit about Jesus. Those of you who who know something about it, those of you maybe you grew up in Sunday school or you attend church regularly here or whatever, I said, tell me something about Jesus. What was Jesus like? Chances are you would do what I would do. You'd go, well, Jesus was, was, uh, was fully God and he was fully man. And he was a brilliant teacher, and he, you know, there was no one that taught like he did. He had incredible wisdom. They were always trying to trap him and trick him, and he always kind of turned it back on him. And, and he was this powerful healer, right? And he, he, he healed people, and he cast out demons. He even raised some people from the dead. And he fed thousands of people with just a few loaves and fish. I mean, he was this spectacular miracle worker, and no one taught or spoke like this man. 
But, but what's the first thing that Paul brings to mind when he says, hey, 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 remember Jesus Christ. What's the first thing? Risen from the dead. Risen from the dead. That word risen is a, a tense in Greek that has with it the idea that this is a past completed action with present ongoing results. So Timothy, here's what I want you to remember. Keep remembering that something has happened in history that has present ongoing results. It's that Jesus is risen from the dead. Because here's the thing. Jesus could be a great teacher. Jesus could be a miracle worker. None of that matters if Jesus is dead. The world's been filled with good teachers. The world's been filled with religious leaders. The world has been filled, even at times, with people that had kind of ability to do magic and, and supernatural stuff. But there's only one person who rose from the dead and stayed that way. It's Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Here's the account that we have in the Gospel of Mark about this idea of Jesus rising from the dead. Here's what it says in Mark 16. It says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. That's why we remember Jesus, is because he is risen from the dead. No one else has done that. It proved that Jesus' authority or Jesus' teaching actually had the authority that it seemed like. It proved that his signs and his wonders were actually just a foretaste of a whole new reality that was being birthed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It showed that Jesus was victorious over Satan's sin and death. So remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Now listen, I know some of you are here and you go, man, people here are friendly and and everyone's nice, and, and this is all real positive and, and whatever, but you guys feel to me like you've checked your brains out because the idea of a guy rising from the dead doesn't happen. I mean, it's wishful thinking. It's religious tradition, and that was probably added on later by people who are just trying to get power, and maybe you have a perspective like that. And if that's you, I'm, I'm really thrilled that you're here, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you would even have enough honesty to maybe feel those things or say those things. But I want to give you two reasons at least, and there's, there's more. I'm just going to give you two. Why I believe the resurrection, this, this idea that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, is not just a myth that was added on later, but that it actually happened. Here's the first reason I want to give you. First, the, notice who the first people were in that Mark account that, that found the empty tomb. Who were the first witnesses? They were women. Now, that doesn't strike us necessarily as maybe all that odd, but in, in the ancient Roman world, in the Roman world at this time, the testimony of women was not allowed in court. Women's uh, testimony, when, women's uh, reporting on certain events was discarded. It was thought of as not trustworthy. Women were thought to be too emotional, and I don't know where they got that from, but that was the idea, and so, so we can't trust that. You, we can't receive that. 
And so here's the thing. Listen, if you were followers of Jesus who knew that he had died and wanted to kind of make up a story about how he had been risen from the dead, you wouldn't make it up that way. You would make it up with Roman officials finding an empty tomb or powerful Jews finding an empty tomb. You wouldn't have it be with women. The, the, the fact that the story in all four biblical accounts describes women coming to the empty tomb means only one thing. It happened. These women showed up. There was really an empty tomb. That's how it must have happened. Here's the other way that I think you can trust that this really happened in history. There's a book that we have towards the end of the New Testament called the book of James or the epistle of James. And James is written by Jesus' brother. Now, all through Jesus' life, James was not a follower of Jesus. He kind of thought, eh, this, this whole thing's crazy. But then we end up having a, a, a book in the Bible written by his brother. And, and here's the only way you can explain that. Think about this if you have a brother or sister. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the son of God? He'd have to rise from the dead, right? I mean, like, there's no other way you would buy that. I mean, if you lived with this person, you're all, you just wouldn't buy that. And so I think the brother of James is another incredible evidence that this actually happened, that this is not just fanciful myths, but that, that, that someone would go from, from being a brother to being a brother who believes that Jesus was the Son of God. Remember, Jesus Christ, we're told, risen from the dead. Now, we get the next piece of this in verse 8. It says this, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Offspring of David. Now, that's an interesting thing. We probably wouldn't think about that as we uh, describe Jesus, but it's an important characteristic of, of Jesus, and here's why. David was a prominent king in ancient Israel. David, this is the same David who killed the giant Goliath, uh, when he was a shepherd boy, uh, grew to the point where he was then king. He was a man after God's own heart, had incredible struggles with sin, and yet incredible closeness with God. And in the midst of all that, God promised him that he would have a, a, a kingdom that would endure forever. And the, the prophets and the people anticipated that someday there would be, through the line of David, a new king that would come and would restore Israel. In fact, when you read the Christmas story and you read in the book of Matthew with the genealogy that's there, one of the things you see is that, that Jesus is born in the line of David. See, David was the king of Israel, and Jesus is the king of kings. So remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, king, the offspring of David, king of kings, lord of lords. Ruling over a kingdom that endures forever. So when Jesus rises from the grave on the first day of the week, listen, he isn't just rising on the first day of the week, he's rising on the first day of a whole new age that is being ushered in as the kingdom of God comes in greater and greater fullness, initiated by Jesus' resurrection. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, and then finally, as preached in my gospel as preached in my gospel. You, know, you may be familiar with the word gospel. Uh, you hear it maybe describing the, the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or, or people will talk about, well, they, they believe that like it's gospel truth. Well, what's, what's gospel mean? Well, the word gospel, here's what it literally means, good news. Good news. And so Paul says, hey, Timothy, I've taught you a lot of things. I've proclaimed good news to you about Jesus. Remember that and remember the good news I've told you. 
And, and now get this, I say this a lot, but it is so key to understanding biblical Christianity, is there is a huge difference between advice and news. Get this, okay? This is, this is critical. If you come in and you go, I think I get Christianity, and you don't get this, you don't get Christianity, okay? Because a lot of people think Christianity is about advice. Be good, try harder, clean up your life, be moral, volunteer, follow the Ten Commandments, blah, blah, blah. It's advice, right? What is advice? Advice is try this, do this, work harder, work smarter, be better. That's advice, and there's a world of difference between advice and news. See, advice is go do this. News is here's what's done. Here's what happened, right? And the news is that Jesus Christ, the offspring of David, was born into the world as a person. And he lived perfectly obedient to the Father. And, and that's, you hear that so many times, but just think in your own life. Just think for a moment about how many times in your life you've disobeyed or disregarded God. It's all the time, isn't it? I mean, it is for me. I mean, just where I forget, and go, oh yeah, I'm just thinking about me again, right? And Jesus never was like that. Jesus lived always perfectly obedient to his Father's will, and it led him to the point of being crucified. So we celebrated on Friday that Jesus was nailed to a cross a crown of thorns mockingly placed on his head, whipped and scourged and speared. Why? So that his blood would be punished, so that his blood would be poured out as a, as a punishment for our sins, right? Because our sin deserves wrath. It deserves the wrath of God. We have broken God's law. We deserve to be punished for it. And Jesus comes in and takes the punishment in our place. And think about that for a minute. If God really gave you what you deserve, think about the agony that that would be. Now multiply that by every person who's ever trusted in Christ, and that's the anguish Jesus experienced on the cross. As the wrath of God was satisfied for our sins. But it doesn't end there. See, that would be just like, man, what a total bummer. This religious guy got beat up, and maybe that's an example for how we should endure pain. But, but that, that's not good news. The good news is that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. The good news is that Jesus rose, conquering Satan's sin and death, proving that he was, in fact, God, that everything he had said was, in fact, true. That is news, right? And so Paul is saying, hey, remember Jesus Christ as preached in my gospel. And news is the kind of thing that is preached it's announced. It's proclaimed. This happened. Trust him. Trust him. That's the message of Easter. The message of Easter is not, all right, get out there and get to work. The message of Easter is trust him. But so many of us think that, well, I just got to load up my works and I got to get after it. No, 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 no. That's advice. And it's impossible. The bar is too high. Some of our good friends, the Natskis, uh, were sharing with me this week. Derek was the DJing before the service. Wasn't that fun to have a little DJ party? And they're good friends of ours. And, and they were telling us about their six-year-old son. And he came to them this past week. And there's this, this Lego thing he really wants. It's a Lego cargo jet city. Right? It, it, it kind of looks like this. And it's this whole city, right? The plane and the trucks and the, all that stuff. And it, that retails for well over $100. 
And so he came to his parents, and he said, hey, I, I want to get this jet, a cargo jet city, and uh, I have some money here. And he hands his mom a dime. <laughs> Is that enough? She goes, no, buddy, that's not, that's not anywhere close to enough. He goes, what, I need like maybe 100 more? She says, no, buddy, you, you need over 1,000 more. He sinks. I could never get that much. No, you couldn't. And think about what that would feel like to a six-year-old kid. And, and that's how many people try to relate to God. God, I, I want this new life you offer. Here's my dime. And it's not even close. And the reality when we when we celebrate what happened through Easter is that Jesus paid it all and he stamped it, paid in full. And so this news is now to be received. So if you're here and you do not yet have your trust in Christ, trust Christ. If you're here and you constantly are kind of drifting back into this moralism and, well, I got to obey and I got to be good, trust Christ. Everything else is just you bringing your dime and it's not enough. It will never be enough. As insurmountable as that seemed to a six-year-old kid, just as insurmountable as your ability to earn your way to God's favor. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Let's remember him this Easter. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is risen as King of kings and Lord of lords, thank you for what he's accomplished for us, what he's done on our behalf. Help us to receive it and enjoy it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Listen, we are going to celebrate baptisms today, and there could not be a more perfect day to celebrate that, because here's why. Baptism is a, is a symbol, really, of resurrection. The idea of baptism is that a person who has placed their trust in Christ goes down into the waters of baptism, just like Jesus went down into the grave, and then they come up out of the waters of baptism, just like Jesus rose out of the grave. It's an incredible image. It's this image of being brought to new life. And here's how the Apostle Paul described it in Romans chapter 6. He said this, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So here's what we have today. We have 14 people being baptized over the course of this morning, five in this particular service, and these are people who have put their trust in Jesus. Get this, baptism is not just another dime that you bring to God, right? No one here is going, well, I got baptized, God, here's my dime. No, it's going, God, in light of what you've done for me in Christ, thank you. And now I'm going to respond in obedience. So we've got five people being baptized in this service. and uh, Some are going to just kind of come up and get right in the tank. And others are going to share their story or have their story shared. And as they come, uh, go down into the water and up out of it, we are going to cheer. We're going to party. We're going to celebrate because this represents newness of life. Now get this. There's nothing magical about that water. We fill it up with a hose, I think, yesterday. It's just hose water. It's warm. But, but what's, what's magical, what's supernatural, what's special isn't the water. It's the work of God that, that he's already done in their hearts when they trusted Christ. And now this is just a way to say thanks. 
So let's celebrate. Here's what's going to happen. The band is going to play some songs and then, or a song, and then we'll do some baptism and then another song. And another. You're going to be up and down and just, just get your legs loose and we'll have a good time with it. Um, and uh, we're going to celebrate what God has done. So Matthew and the team are going to lead us. All right, let's stand together.